Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Finding God in the Music, Season 13, 80s edition. Okay, I got to apologize because last Sunday, it was kind of a stretch. I mean, first of all, the song wasn't actually from the 80s. I mean, August 1979 is pretty close. And Bob Dylan isn't what you think of as an 80s artist. Okay. I got that out of the way, but you know, it was a good song. Got to serve somebody. Uh, I'm going to make up for it today by giving you, we're just going to, it's going to be pure 80s. Just 80s. Unadulterated, undiluted 80s. I can't think of anything more 80s than this artist. Um, 1985 is the song that we're going to use. And the artist is Tears for Fears. Now, did I just nail the 80s right there? I mean, 80s, Tears for Fears. Um, They're a British rock duo from Bath, England, that formed in 1981, like Word of Life Church, (laughs) and they're still active, like Word of Life Church. So, you know, Tears for Fears and Word of Life is the same age. (laughs) We've been doing this for 40 years. Uh, you want to guess what song I'm going to use? You already know. What song am I going to use? Somebody tell me. Of course, everybody wants to rule the world. In my mind, that is the quintessential 80s pop rock song. I mean, when I think 80s, I hear that song in my head. Um, it's a good song. I mean, it's got a catchy groove. It's got a great hook line. And it completely takes me back to 1985. When we were down there on 11th Street, Perry, those were hard days. And, but, uh, so I don't know if I want to go back there, but, but uh, it, it does evoke a lot of nostalgia for me to hear this song. But it's not so much just to hear the song. Uh, in 1985, we're talking about the era of MTV and VH1, if you're a little more tame. <laughs> MTV and VH1. And we're going to show the video. And I've got I to gotta warn you, it is a cheesy video but in an endearing way. It's just in an endearing way. It has nothing to do with the lyrics of the song. It's just, you know, it was early in the music video era, and they just said, okay, let's just, I don't know, let's go out in a desert, drive some cars around, get some pictures of planes and gliders and ATVs and dirt bikes, and call it a wrap. That's all it is. Oh, and, and there's a phone booth in it. So some of you have never seen a phone booth. Well, keep your eyes open. You'll see one. Um, we're not going to put the lyrics up. We're just going to show the video because you don't really need the, you need the one. I mean, I like the way, it, I like the, way the song opens lyrically. I do like that. Uh, Welcome to your life. There's no turning back. That's a, that's a good line. I like, that's a good way to start a song. Welcome to your life. There's no turning back. But the line that matters The hook line that is recurring through the song, everybody wants to rule the world. Okay, uh, I know that we have, our onliners, I've got to talk to you a moment. I know that we are uh, 
an online lifeline for the faith for many of you, and so just hold on. And we told you about, you know, the, the copyright police last week, and we got busted. We got our, our, our stream was taken down, paused for the song. Uh, those algorithms are tough. We didn't even play it. They just saw the artwork and figured what we were up to. I don't know. But I've been assured it won't happen again. Uh, but you're gonna, but you're not gonna see it here. You're gonna have to go. You, know, you can find it anywhere. It's it's only been viewed like a billion times on YouTube, so it's not hard to find. Uh, or you can go to wolc.com/videos. Is that what it is? Something like that. You'll find it. Music videos. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, you you can find it. Um, what else do I want to say? I just just let this. How many of you were alive and cognizant in 1985? All right, this may, this may take you back there, and I hope it's enjoyable. And uh, tears for fears, everybody wants to rule the world.
when he came. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now we're back to last Sunday. You got to serve somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. So Jesus is in the desert. He's fasting, praying, preparing, getting ready for his ministry, and the devil comes to tempt Jesus. The devil shows Jesus a vision of all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Egypt, Rome, even the great Babylon. He sees the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And the devil says, you know, all these kingdoms have their kings, their pharaohs, their Caesars, their emperors. But I run the show. You see, all this authority, see all these kingdoms, all this authority, the devil says, has been given to me. And you know what? That's true. The devil is not entirely lying here. When human civilization took the course of building their kingdoms on the foundation of war and violence, humanity gave authority to the devil. So the devil says, you see all these kingdoms and all the authority of the kings of these kingdoms? I give it to anyone I want to. I'm the king maker. I'm the one behind the scenes. I'm the one that makes it happen. And so, Jesus, if you will just, uh, if you'll just play along a little bit, if you'll just... Uh, Worship me a little bit. You know, just a small compromise. Let the, let the end justify the means. I'll give you all of this authority. You, I can make you king of kings. See, all these kingdoms and all these kings, all of that authority belongs to me. I give it to whom I want. You just worship me a little bit, and I'll give it all to you, and I'll make you king of kings. And then, you know what you can do? Jesus, you can do whatever you want. I'll give you all the authority, and you can do with it whatever you want. I'm sure you will do lots of good if you were to rule the world. You'll do lots of good. Deal? Do we have a deal? Think about it, Jesus. You can rule the world. And just think how much good you could do if you ruled the world. Do we have a deal? 
This is a real temptation. This is not uh, going through a charade. This is a real temptation. This is the big temptation. Why is it the big temptation? Because everybody wants to rule the world. And we all know that we would do a good job ruling the world. How many of you know you would? I mean, I know I would. I mean, if I were running the world, if I were ruling the world, if BZ were ruling the world, I know it would be better. I just know. So what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus doesn't try to get clever or cute or bandy wits with the devil. Jesus instead just draws upon the deep well of his tradition and quotes scripture. He says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. I can't worship you, devil, even though you could make me ruler of the world if I did. Because it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. You're going to worship God and serve God. Because what you worship, you will serve. What you worship is what you will serve. That's, that's last Sunday. It's all fitting together here. If you worship power, you will serve the devil. If you worship, well, let's, let's bring in a little Nietzsche here, will to power. You know, this 19th century German philosopher who said, well, you know, it's the twilight of the idols, it's the twilight of the gods. Uh, there's a great sea change, and now it's, it's time for us to set aside the superstitions of the past and let humanity reach its heroic stage. And we need great men, and he believed they would be men, by the way. He said, we need great men. They're like supermen, they're ubermenschmen, they're, they're the great ones, and they'll be like gods striding the earth, and they will change the course of history by sheer will to power. They, they will not shrink back from asserting their will to be done in the earth. They will not be captured by the slave morality. They will not be hindered by the slave morality of Christianity where you have to love the weak. No, it's time for the superman, the ubermensch, to rise up with the will to power. He's writing that in the 1880s, 1870s. It just kind of sits around in some books until you have some young men in uh, the 1920s and 30s in Germany who have been suffered great humiliation in World War I, and they feel like they're losing everything, and they start reading this. And they say, uh-huh, yeah, we'll do that. We will, we will prioritize the will to power. That's what we'll worship, the will to power. And those boys serve the devil. I'm talking about the Nazis. They worship the will to power, and they serve the devil and nearly ruin the world. 
Jesus resists the temptation to rule the world through the will to power and instead submits to the will of the Father. And these two things are always going to be opposite, the will of the Father or the will to power. I mean, everybody wants to rule the world. That's that, everybody has it to some extent. That's that will to, I want to rule. I want to be in charge. I'm not afraid to take charge. I'm not afraid to rule. The will to power or the will of the Father. That's the choice that Jesus has to make. Now, in the wilderness, Jesus chose the will of the Father over the will to power. Amen. But that put him on a trajectory. The moment that Jesus says no to the devil's offer to let him rule the world, if he will choose the will to power, which is to worship the devil, uh, Jesus instead chooses the will of the Father. That's the way of co-suffering love. But that will inevitably lead to the cross. In the world as it is, the will of the Father, the way of co-suffering love, inevitably leads to the cross. It's going to take Jesus there. And so the temptation to the will to power returned again in its fiercest form in Gethsemane. Gethsemane's temptation for Christ was to do what every king would do and has done in that situation. Fight back, kill the killers, win the war, rule the world. That was the temptation in Gethsemane. The wilderness temptation, the Gethsemane temptation, they're one and the same. It's the temptation to choose the will to power over the will of the Father. Will you choose to go the way of force and power or the way of love? It's a powerful temptation. I mean... You see, at the beginning and end of Jesus' ministry, he faces this temptation twice. Beginning, okay, and he begins to walk the road, the will of the Father, the way of love. But where does it lead? It leads to Gethsemane and Golgotha. And in that moment, Jesus says, Oh, Father, take that cup away. Not that cup. Do I have to drink that cup? That bitter cup? It's going to lead to crucifixion. Father, take that cup away. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. And again, Jesus declines the will to power and chooses the will of the Father, which is to love no matter what. And so he goes to the cross. And there's no anger, no bitterness, no retaliation. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Jesus follows the will of the Father, which is the way of love, all the way to the end, all the way to death. He descends down into death, but on the third day, the Father raises him from the dead. Now listen to this. The end of Matthew's gospel. Christ has been raised, and listen to what happens. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
Okay, we live constantly in the tension of faith and doubt, faith and doubt, faith and doubt. We live in that tension. We'll just keep worshiping Jesus. Just for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, and you'll be all right. Doubt doesn't have to be the end. Just keep worshiping Jesus. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Oh, interesting. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. We had those baptisms last Sunday. How much did you like that? First baptisms in 17 months, yeah. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The risen Christ says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The risen Christ says that. What the devil offered Jesus in the wilderness by the way of will to power, God has now given unto Jesus by the way of the cross. In the wilderness... The devil says, here's all the authority on earth. You see the kings, you see the kingdoms, but behind it all is me. I'm the king maker. I give this authority to anybody I want to. And if you'll compromise, if you'll choose the way of the will to power, I'll make you the rule of the world and you can do all the good you want with it. Jesus says, no, because that is not what our scriptures tell us. We're to worship God and serve Him only. I can't serve you. I can't worship you. I worship God. And I serve God only. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that even though He existed as God, did not. Consider equality with God a thing to grasp and hold on to, but he emptied himself. He poured himself out. And he entered the world as a human, even as a servant. And he was obedient to the Father, to death, even to death upon a cross. Wherefore? God hath highly exalted him and given Jesus the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The devil offered Jesus all authority. And Jesus said no. And he went the way of the cross, the way of love, the will of the Father. And the Father says, now, son, I give you all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ is now King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ now has all authority in heaven and on earth. 
But Jesus always reigns from the cross. Jesus never departs from the way of co-suffering love and the way that he rules the world. On the Camino de Santiago, there's a little village called Torres del Rio. Just a little village. We've stayed there the two times we walked that Francis route. Just a little tiny village, but the most interesting thing is it's got this... uh, thousand-year-old church. It's just a tiny. That's, that's, that's the octagon one. It's just a little tiny one. And uh, when we were there in two, 2019, I took this picture. That's in this little thousand-year-old chapel in Torres del Rio, Spain. And I took that picture of that crucifix. I like it a lot. Because it shows Christ crucified, crowned in majesty and not with thorns. Crowned with a royal crown, not with thorns. Now we know it was thorns, but here, so what, what this image is doing is showing you, reminding you that the crucifixion is the coronation of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That the cross is the throne of Christ. That Jesus reigns and rules in the way of co-suffering love. He never turns into Pharaoh. He never turns into Caesar. He never becomes a worldly emperor. Christ eternally reigns in the way of co-suffering love. So that the kingdom of God looks like that. There is a king and there is a kingdom. There is majesty, but there's also the cross. The kingdom of God always looks like that. If it doesn't look like that, it's not the kingdom of God. It's just the kingdom of the world trying to masquerade as some form of Christianity. And this has been the hardest lesson of all for the church to learn. This has been our hardest lesson. We can't seem to get that one straight. Where Jesus succeeded in resisting the temptation of the will of power... The church has failed over and over and over. The church keeps thinking, if if we can just win the war, if we can just get our party in power, if we can just get our guy in the White House, then the will of God can be accomplished on the earth. And the devil just smiles. The devil surely must say to himself, they just keep falling for it every time. Just offer the church power. Oh yes, thank you very much, we'll take that. And we'll do lots of good with it. Uh, This is the theology of the Lord of the Rings. This is the theological message in that great trilogy by J.R.R. Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings. The Dark Lord Sauron in the fires of Mordor forged 19 rings that he doled out to men, elves, and dwarves. And they took them because they're rings of power. Would you like a ring of power? Oh, yes, I would. Thank you very much. But they were all deceived because there was one ring to rule them all. 
one ring to bring them. One ring to find them, one ring to rule them all and in the darkness bind them. Everyone in the Lord of the Rings thinks they can use the ring without being corrupted by it. Remember Boromir? It's a gift. Why should we struggle so? If we had power, we could defeat Sauron. We could bring peace to Middle Earth. But they're all deceived. Only the very, very, very humblest seem to be immune to its lure. Samwise Gamgee the true hero of the Lord of the Rings. It's not Gandalf. It's not Frodo. It's not Strider, Aragorn. It's Sam. He's, he's a gardener from the Shire. He has, he has no aspirations for power. He doesn't, he's the one that doesn't want to rule the world. He's not interested in that. And that's why he becomes the true hero. The message of the Lord of the Rings is that if you choose the way of power, you will bring harm to the world and ruin your soul. But it's very hard for us to believe that. Because we think, no, no, really, I would do good with it. Gandalf had enough wisdom to reject it when it was offered to him by Frodo. He said, you must not offer it to me. You understand that I would try to do good, but through me, it would wield a power that would be too awful. And the message of the Lord of the Rings is, if we cling to the precious, the will to power, the ring of power, we will bring harm to the world and ruin our soul. This is very clear. In a letter that he wrote to his son during World War II, Tolkien said this, we are attempting to conquer Sauron with the ring, and we shall, it seems, succeed. But the penalty is, as you will know, to breed new Saurons and slowly turn men and elves into orcs. You can't fight the enemy with his own ring without turning into an enemy. The end does not justify the means. The means are the end in the process of becoming. If the means are monstrous, eventually, ultimately, inevitably, the end is going to be monstrous. When fighting monsters, we have to beware lest we become monsters. This is very true in the realm of politics. Politics, it's the debate, the public debate, of how best to achieve the common good through compromise. In a democracy, certainly that's the case. The politics is the public debate of how to best achieve the common good through compromise. You have to give and take. So be it. That's how it works. But when people bring religious zeal and religious devotion into partisan politics, they end up bowing to the devil. They have departed from the way of love and the way of the cross. Everybody wants to rule the world. And if not personally, they think, well, I don't think I'm going to be. Then they want their politics to rule the world. They want their party to rule the world. They want their team to rule. If it's not going to be me, then I at least want my team to rule the world. Everybody wants to rule the world. But guess what? Jesus already does. 
Sorry, you need not apply. The job's already filled. The Father has filled the role of ruling the world with his Son, Jesus Christ. There's no opening for that job anymore. Everybody wants to rule the world, but Jesus already does. It's just that we're so used to the world being... See, we're not... The world is presently being ruled in a way that we don't understand. In a way that we're not used to. We're used to the world being ruled by the sword. But Jesus rules the world from the cross. He just keeps, he just keeps ruling like that. I'm like, eh, come on, Jesus. Come down off that cross and take up a sword. Then we'll believe in you. Whoo. That was said at the cross, and the church sometimes finds itself still staying that. Jesus rules the world now, and he rules from the cross, and blessed are they who are not offended with how Jesus rules the world. And so we are the church. We are the church. We, we are the world as believing in Christ. Our task is not to rule the world. Church, listen, the task of Christians in the world is not to rule the world. Our task is very simple. It's to be the world already ruled by Christ. Our task is not to rule the world. Our task is to be the world already ruled by Christ. So we do not want Caesar's sword. We don't seek Sauron's ring. We do not want to rule the world. Ruling the world is God's business, not ours. And God has given it to Jesus. Now, to the extent that we are a church that is faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are a city set upon a hill, shining in the darkness. There's no force there, it's just shining, just shining. Or we are the salt of the earth, just holding back corruption. We are seed that is sown, that grows slowly but persistently. We are yeast in the dough that quietly helps the world to rise. Light, salt, seed, and yeast. That's all we are. That's all we need to be. We don't need to rule the world. We don't need an army. We don't need the sword of government. We don't need the ring of power. We don't want to rule the world. We just want to be light, salt, seed, and yeast. A quiet, faithful presence is all we need to be. Amen. Stand up with me. We're coming to the table, and indeed, yes, we are coming. We started doing that last Sunday. The ushers will release you. You come. You take a piece of bread, as someone says, the body of Christ broken for you. Someone else has a cup, and they say the blood of Christ shed for you. Dip the bread in the cup. Participate in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to have, a, if you'd like still to use one of the packets, they're there. You can take one of those. If, the, if you would prefer that and everything, whether it's in the packet or in the basket, all the bread is gluten-free, so you don't have to worry about that. Now, 
Let's confess our faith, which involves confessing who it is that rules the world, and it's not us, and it doesn't need to be us. It's Jesus. And then we'll confess our sins and receive the gracious forgiveness of God in Christ. Join with me in confessing our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let's confess our sins. Most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. So in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven you. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love Him and for those who want to love Him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is His will that those who want Him should meet Him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you.
first line of that song welcome welcome to your, to life. your life there's no turning back there's no turning back well you know I'm so grateful to know that life is a gift and I just want to live in the gratitude of that knowledge life is a gift your life is a gift and even with the heartache with the disappointment may your lives be filled with joy and and that joy will come when you worship together 
worship the one who made us and just and just seek to uh, live lives of gratitude. I'm just feeling especially thankful that my life has this rhythm of Sunday morning yeah. and every Sunday morning gathering with the people of God to worship, to have, to, you know, just one, once again proclaim, I'm a Christian, I'm living for Jesus. My life matters. Amen. Okay, next week, not this week, but a week from now, we're going to start VBS, Vacation Bible School for the kids. It's going to be a great time. We've got lots of kids registered. We've got lots of great plans for fun things, fun things for the kids so that kids get very early in their life the idea that, you know, church is good. Church makes me feel good. I learn there that Jesus loves me and I experience people that love me too. So if you've got kids or grandkids or neighbor kids or any kids you can just scramble together, get them signed up as soon as possible so we can make plans, and that will start next week. Amen. Before I send you on your way with a blessing, I just, I just want to say that I thought, I thought worship was just fabulous today, and I thought this worship team, they're doing such a good job. I'm, I'm just, I'm amazed. Everybody, everybody doing such a good job. We're grateful. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to send you on your way with a blessing if you're new around here, and that's entirely possible. As you are going out into the foyer, spot that little place that says welcome, that little welcome kiosk. Go over there and say hi, and there'll be some lovely people there that want to give you a nice gift and just meet you and, and, and give you a gift, and you'll enjoy that. So uh, if you're new here, do that. And now receive this blessing. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace.